Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Yes. Ooh. Yes, she knew. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she knew, right? We read the story. She, she knew. Uh, every time I listen to that song, I just every time the question, I say, yeah. Yeah, she did know. Did you read your Bible? And yet it's a great song, isn't it? It, it just reminds us of, of all of the things that Jesus did. And in that little package of, as a baby, he comes in to the world to transform it, to change it, to save us. So... There are a lot of Christmas songs out there these days. Um, everybody, everybody out there has written a Christmas song, right? Whether you're an amateur musician or a Grammy award-winning artist, you have written and or recorded a Christmas album. And as a result, there are some beautiful songs. But there are some terrible Christmas songs, aren't there? So I want to start by, we, we just heard, you know, we're, we just heard read um, one of the most beautiful Christmas songs, really the first Christmas song. But what are the worst Christmas songs? Here's a couple of, actually, turn to a neighbor, somebody's close to you, and tell them what your worst Christmas song, in your opinion, is. If you're online, put it in the chat. All right, so uh, if I haven't met you, before I tell you my worst Christmas song, my name is Kurt Bissell. I'm our online campus pastor here at Garfield Memorial. I want to say hello to my friends online. Um, I'm sure Larry will be chatting the uh, message as we go along. Um, it's, it's good to see everyone. Um, last night was Holiday Joy. There was some amazing Christmas music going on there. Um, None of what they did made my list, just so you know. So here, uh, here's a little bit of my list. The first one is um, Last Christmas by Wham! With the exclamation point, right? Um, just stop giving your heart away, and then we'll be fine, right? Um, baby, it's cold outside? Sir, no means no. That's all we have to say. Um, how about this one? This might stir, ruffle some feathers. Uh, Christmas Shoes by New Song. Do you know that one? Way too much Hallmark for me there. Um, and then my number one is Do They Know It's Christmas by the Band-Aid. You guys know this song? It's on the radio, and I cannot figure out why it's still on the radio. And, and the line is, you know, there isn't snow in Africa. Do they know it's Christmas at all? I got nothing on that one. I just, um, yeah, that, that, yes, they do as well. Okay, so let's move on from that. So just something a little fun to start. But, you know, the, the 
Christmas season is filled with singing, and we see it filled with singing in Scripture. Um, we, you know, the angels rejoice and sing at the birth of the Christ child. Mary sings as she hears the story, um, which is often called the Magnificat. And so the question is, um, the context for this is, you know, Mary, um, she's a young woman. She finds herself pregnant and unwed. Um, and, and that was a, a risky, life-threatening situation for her. And so her family, probably a little bit out of shame, a little bit out of fear, sends her to her cousin Elizabeth's house, uh, outside of Nazareth, presumably, because Elizabeth is also a little crazy. She's an old woman who's pregnant, carrying John the Baptist. And Mary comes into her home feeling alone and afraid and scared and isolated, um, probably, you know, holding that promise of God in her heart, but yet there's this dissonance in her spirit of, yes, God is faithful, but is he really? And so as she walks in, Elizabeth's womb jumps. John the Baptist is already doing John the Baptist things and, and, and Elizabeth's womb. If you've ever, if women that have been pregnant, you know occasionally the babies just, you know, burst and do crazy things. And... Um, that happens, and then Elizabeth is filled with joy, and she speaks to Mary, and she gives words of life and says, blessed are you among women. Generations will call you blessed. And in that moment, those words speak love and life and hope and joy, Christmas joy to Mary. Mary identifies herself as she begins this song in response as someone who is lowly. It begins, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Mary identifies as someone who is lowly, and she um, doesn't come from a, um, a good family. She doesn't come from a good pedigree. She isn't wealthy. She, you know, is a woman. She has no rights. She's pregnant. I mean, she is the definition of lowly in the scriptures. And even as she is professing God's faithfulness to her, she is identifying as lowly. And so as we're trying to discover the joy or rediscover the joy of Christmas this season, I want to take a look at who are the lowly, what does the, how, does the, how does God act on behalf of the lowly, and then how do we find joy as the lowly? I want to kind of talk about those three things this morning. Um, Pastor Chip sent me um, yesterday, um, sent me a, a little um, a meme. He's, of course, with his daughter Tiana um, in the hospital. Tiana had um, two brain surgeries this week. Um, he shared last week about that. She's doing well. Um, she's on the road to recovery, but there are good days and there are bad days. Um, there are good moments and bad moments for, for the whole family. Um, and, and Chip kind of shared to me, I, I know what it feels like to be lowly right now, right? Um, so please keep them in prayer. If you'd like to send a card to Tiana, send it to the church, and we'll make sure those get along to her. Um, and if nothing else, please keep her and Pastor Chip and Terry 
uh, and their whole family in prayer. I know they need it this, um, this Christmas season. When it comes to the lowly, who are the lowly? And so Chip sent me this. He said, it's an unwed woman who carries God. It's the pagans from the east who recognize God. It's the workers in the field who hear from God. It's the marginalized neighborhood who welcomes God. It's God who chooses the lowly and the broken to rise. Christmas is here. Let hope in. So much of that describes who the lowly are. The lowly are defined as the oppressed and the vulnerable, the downtrodden, the broken. There are also people who are humble and meek and submissive. And the lowly are the people that God chooses to bless. So let's look a little deeper about who are the lowly. Lowly people are often vulnerable and oppressed. So we look at the world and we see that lowly people are meek and mild and lacking power and there are many opportunities for them to be taken advantage of. Yet in Leviticus 19, Moses is speaking to the people and he reminds them not to judge the lowly any different than to judge those that are great. He says, treat the lowly with equality and fairness and justice. Don't step on them. Don't kick them while they're down, right? Don't pour salt in the wounds, but treat them with goodness. They're, the lowly are all around us even today, right? The refugees from Ukraine and other parts of the world, um, single moms working three jobs, the unemployed, um, people... Um, of, of people of color, of immigrants, all these people that are vulnerable, that lack power in their lives, those are the lowly. Members of the LGBTQ community, these are the people that are being oppressed, that are vulnerable, and it's important for us to not only um, know who they are, but to see them and perhaps acknowledge that you are part of them. That it's okay to identify, to claim, to be part of the lowly. And we'll talk about why that is in a few moments. Lowly people are often downtrodden and broken. It doesn't just have to be your position in life, your job, your, um, you know, your net worth, your, the color of your skin, all of, none of those things. Um, you don't have to be any of those things to identify as lowly. Lowly people can be people broken in spirit. Pastor Chip is, you know, in, in the, um, the ICU, I think, with, with Tiana. Um, and he, he said, you know, I, I look around and I, can, I, and I can see the lowly, the broken, the downtrodden here. My own family over a decade ago during Advent, during the Christmas season, got life-altering, life-changing news about our family. I can identify with that brokenness, that downtrodden, that weightiness, that stress, the anxiety. And many of you can as well in this room. Maybe you're battling illness. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with stress and anxiety and depression uh, maybe you have to go and see uh, family 
from, you know, um, that was abusive at points, whether physically or emotionally. All of us, in the midst of the holiday joy, as we seek to discover and live into joy, but also to rediscover, it's okay. In fact, I would say it's important to acknowledge that we are part of the lowly, that there are parts of us that are broken, there are parts of us that are hurting, there, that, and, and we need God to come into them. Amen? And so we are also broken and downtrodden as the lowly. Lowly people are also often humble and meek. So you don't have to necessarily be vulnerable and oppressed or broken and, and downtrodden. But people that have experienced those things oftentimes will embrace a humility and a meekness that we might not otherwise. But I would encourage all of us, regardless of where we see ourselves in the spectrum of lowliness, that we present ourselves as humble before the Lord, that we don't raise ourselves up above others but that, and, and think more about ourselves than, than others, but to think about others more than ourselves, to raise them up so that we can walk together in the pursuit of rediscovering that Christmas joy. After all, Jesus says in uh, Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the meek, or the, the lowly. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. So if we want to walk the way of Christ, if we want to inherit the earth, if we want to experience the kingdom of heaven, then Jesus is reminding us to be part of the lowly. You imagine he, he heard this song his mother sang. That first time while he was in the womb, he probably heard her sing it many, many times. I do wonder what the tune was. Does anybody know? No, okay. But he hears that, and it's part of his identity. It's, it's part of it. And if you read through the Beatitudes, it's really fascinating because as you look at it, he's identifying different groups that are, that are lowly, And he's saying, these are the people God is going to bless because he knows he came from that place, that station in life, and God has blessed him, and God is using him as the Savior of the world. So the question that I want to ask next is, how does God act on behalf of the lowly? There's three ways that I want to share about how God has acted on behalf of the lowly. It says in verses 49 and 50, For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And so we see God acts with mercy to sustain the lowly. Those words from Mary, or from Elizabeth, as Mary comes into her home, are words of mercy. They are words that sustain Mary in one of her darkest moments, in that moment of doubt and fear, in that moment of faith and hope. Elizabeth speaks those words of mercy, those words of kindness, of refreshing. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, uh, there is, and really 
the ancient tradition of the church, there's a prayer called the Jesus Prayer. And the Jesus Prayer is a very simple prayer that is really intended to be repeated and repeated as almost a mantra. Um, and it's, it's really, it's, it's, quite honestly, it's one of my favorite prayers. It's a prayer that I will pr- pray when I really need to pray. Because I don't have the words that I need to pray when I really need to pray. Right? And, and the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit translates for our groanings and our um, brokenness to God. But the Jesus prayer is, I think, a way um, to connect with it. And the Jesus prayer simply goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You probably can't read that there. Um, but let's, let's say that together, would you? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The biblical background of this is that uh, one of the lame are, are laying on the side of the road. Jesus is walking by, and, and this person who you know, is paralyzed yells out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus comes over has mercy and kindness and compassion and heals the man. And so when we cry out to God, acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God, pleading with him to have mercy on us, in the midst of acknowledging we are a sinner, acknowledging we're lowly, that's what sinners are, that we in the context of God are lowly, we're praying for mercy. And we know that God will act with mercy and kindness. Just like Elizabeth spoke words of life to Mary, God is speaking words of life to each of you as we need that mercy, as we cry out for that mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God also acts um, with strength to protect the lowly. In Luke 51, Mary again continues to sing, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The lowly are those people who cannot defend themselves. They are people that need defended, that God is calling us to step up and to act as a means of protection. You're probably familiar with the Christmas offering at this point. We've talked about it multiple times. Uh, The Starfish Project, part of our Christmas offering this year is going to the Lutheran Metropolitan Men's Shelter and then also to Laura's Home, which is part of City Mission. One of the things that we've committed to do in, in the Heritage uh, Choir uh, and Craig McGahee, who is their director, really spearheaded this, is we're buying coats for the, for the men that are at the homeless shelter. And if there isn't a tangible picture of providing protection from the elements, from the rain, from the cold, from the snow, then I don't know what, what is. I, and so I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of a church that says, you know what, we're going to see the lowly and we're going to do as God does and provide strength to protect the lowly. 
So if you haven't given to the Christmas offering, you have until two Sundays from now. Do you all know what two Sundays from now is? It's Christmas Eve. Okay, a few of you did. That's good. So we're going to have, just as a quick side note, uh, 9.30, we're going to have one service in the morning because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, right? So 9.30 over in the uh, sanctuary. It's going to be uh, songs and carols and stuff like that. Um, and then we're going to have three services that night. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it's dangerous. 5.30, 8 and 11. Something like that. Go to our website and you'll see it. Uh, Garfieldchurch.org slash Christmas. It's there. I don't have my phone on me or I'd look. Um, but you can also, um, for the, over the next two weeks, give to that Christmas offering. Uh, that same website that you were on uh, to give your regular offering, we encourage you to give that second mile gift because we're using that money to fund the ministries here but also to help protect the lowly. I want to be a part of that. And I hope you do as well. God acts with compassion to feed the lowly. Mary continues, He has filled the hungry with good things and set the rich away empty. Mary is saying, you know, God acts with strength to protect the lowly, God acts with mercy to sustain the lowly. And lastly, God acts with compassion to feed the lowly. I love the stories that are out there of, um, you know, of random strangers coming together um, and sharing a you know, Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal, um, some kind of holiday meal. I'm sure you're familiar with some of these stories, right, where you have you know, a young man and a young African-American man and a, a, an elderly white woman, and they share Christmas you know, or share Thanksgiving together every single year. I love those stories. Maybe you have somebody in your life that comes, you know, um, a, a single grandma that, you know, their children are all far away, and, and they, she comes to, uh, you know, to a Thanksgiving meal with you or a Christmas meal with you. Um, I know my wife's family, um, they had a... a, a, a younger man who would share on Christmas Eve, he would come, James. He would come every, every year um, as they had that party. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away unexpectedly a couple of years ago. Um, but, but, you know, James represents that compassion to feed the lowly, right? We don't want to leave people alone. And it's not just about the food, but it's about the fellowship around the food, right? It's about the affirmation um, that God is filling us, yes, with food, but with good things. I'm going to read you a, a Christmas story. It's a bedtime story for most of us. My kids, um, I have four boys, um, and one of the Christmas traditions that we started years ago um, was that my wife, one of the kind of Advent things we do is we wrap up Christmas storybooks. And then every night, the boys get to unwrap one, and re we read it to them as a bedtime story. Each kid gets their own set of 24. Somebody reminded me, that's 96 total. Um, can you tell my wife is an English major with a master's in writing? And, and yes, so we love books at our house. But I got a chance, I was reading one of the books to the boys um, this week, 
You probably know it, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I want to read a little bit of the last of it. Don't fall asleep afterwards, okay, please? Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, the thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so light, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beef. The representation of the Grinch experiencing the joy of Christmas, rediscovering the joy of Christmas, is he gets to carve the roast beast. Not beef, beasts. So if, if the Grinch can find joy, can't we too find joy? If the Grinch's heart can grow three sizes, can't our heart grow three sizes? A brief theological insight on the Grinch. At the beginning of the story, it says his heart was two sizes too small. And it grows three. God wants to expand our joy beyond anything we've ever experienced before. And so if you are, identify as vulnerable or lonely, if you feel broken or downtrodden, however you feel lowly, God is saying to each of us that I am there. Emmanuel, God is with us. And so share the fellowship, share those meals because it not only feeds our bodies, but it feeds our spirits and our souls. Jesus So the question then is, how do we find Christmas joy? And first of all, it's to enter into those three ways that we just talked about. We enter in and join with God in acting with mercy to sustain the lowly, to sustain ourselves. We enter in to act with strength strength to protect the lowly. We join with those things, right? We give, we go and serve And then we also um, act with compassion to feed the lowly. We invite people into our homes. We reach out. We build community and fellowship. And, And we do all of those things. We begin to rediscover the Christmas joy. I've been told many times, and, and, I, and I truly believe this, is when we find ourselves uh, looking, down at, looking down and internally only, I call it navel gazing, right? Looking at your navel. When we find ourselves in that place and we begin to feel depressed or down, one of the best ways to bring us out of that place is to serve others, to see the lowly among us, not just to read about them, not just to think about them, but to truly see them. And maybe that means looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and acknowledging and saying, you know what, it's okay that I'm broken. It's okay that I'm depressed and afraid and lonely or whatever it might be. This is who I am. And yet God has the final word. 
The world doesn't have the final word, but God does. And God says, you are blessed. You shall inherit the earth. I shall call you my children. Jesus gives us a final invitation. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus was birthed into lowliness. It's part of his identity. And so he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's the invitation that Jesus gives us to rediscovering joy this Christmas. Don't carry those burdens yourself. Bring them before the Lord. Allow others to walk with you. Walk with others. Because Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light because he is the lowly. And if he is the lowly, he sees the lowly, he walks with the lowly, he blesses the lowly, he uses you and me to rediscover Christmas joy. Amen? Amen. So go out, share that Christmas joy, and as we share it, we will then find it. If you're in a place of brokenness, I would encourage you to pray that Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Look at the beauty of the Christmas decorations and the lights and pray that prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son, for the miracle of Christmas. Lord, we ask that you would invade our lives in a way that we have never known before. May our hearts grow three sizes this Christmas, God, as we acknowledge that we are part of the lowly. And God, so we pray that you would, um, that you would show us mercy, that you would protect us, that you would feed us, God. And allow us to do that with others. Allow us to see each other in our brokenness, but also then to pursue you. For God, we love you. And we celebrate that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he came as a child. God, help us to rediscover Christmas joy. Amen.